Welcome to Author Imprint, the podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Orton. Today, we're going to take a look back at a conversation that executive director of the National Book Foundation and friend of the podcast, Lisa Lucas, shared with YA author Jason Reynolds because Jason has two new books out, Sunny, the latest in his middle grade track team series, and For Everyone, an inspirational poem that's, well, for everyone. Coming up, you're going to hear Lisa Lucas and Jason Reynolds talk about his Spider-Man novel, Miles Morales, his National Book Foundation-recognized novel, Ghost, and much, much more. Enjoy. So today we talked a little bit about why reading matters. Yeah. Um, and you had some interesting thoughts on why it does matter. I didn't expect you to start with why reading didn't matter to you as a young person. I, I know you didn't expect it. <laughs> <laughs> but why do you think it's important to frame that conversation that way for people? When you're trying to explain why reading matters to someone, why right. do you start with the negative? Especially in a crowd like this crowd, which is a crowd where everyone is sort of working in books mm -hmm. in some in some capacity right we're already the readers and so for me i think sometimes we can forget that there are a lot of young people specifically who are totally disconnected from the power of books and the reason why isn't their fault mm -hmm. it's on us it's up to us to figure that out and so i want to make sure that i always drive home the point that like yes today i am this person but my entire childhood i was disconnected from the power of books and the reason why I was disconnected is because there were no adults in my life mm -hmm. to get a little creative. It, it just was a different time. Yeah, I think about that a lot too, the parents. You know, we talk all the time about inspiring young people to read and building this new audience. Right. But like, how do you talk to the parents? How do you actually get them involved in the act of reading? Do you talk to parents ever? All the time. Like, what do they often say? Are they thankful for the work? Are they, are they reading it themselves? That's, that's what I was gonna say. A lot of times they're reading the books too. A lady who was just here, she was like, you know, my daughter read your book and then came home and said, mom, you have to read this. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, there's a bridging of the gap. And I think it's happened even with reluctant adult readers. Mm -hmm. There's something disarming about reading books for young people, mm -hmm. especially for adults who are reluctant readers and adults who may struggle with literacy. We shouldn't look at those adults who are reading, quote unquote, reading down as less than either mm -hmm. because there is something to be gained, yeah. whether it be relationship with your child, whether it be relationship with literature and letters and storytelling and literacy, mm -hmm. right? All of those things matter. And I think there's a way to frame it, like to encourage parents, you should be reading what your kids are reading. You should, you should be able to have that discussion. And I think that takes a little bit of the like stink of exactly. reading down, exactly. which it isn't, right? But you know, back to your own book, Ghost was the last one that I read and I have three new books of yours on you my on my stack to read. So Ghost obviously is about this kid, Castle Cranshaw, who experiences a bit of trauma, well, not a bit, he experiences a serious trauma at the beginning of his life. He runs from the thing that is threatening him. Mm -hmm. And because of that running, he realizes that he can run, but he doesn't think about it that way. He doesn't think about it as a sport. He thinks about it as survival. And so when he sees these kids on a track practicing, practicing running, he's sort of like, why would you ever have to practice something that I just know how to do? And so he joins his track team and sort of finds a new family and finds new mentorship, finds new friends, and this is his whole thing. Um, now, as the story continues, we get to Patina, we get to Sunny, we get to Lou. These are all kids who are dealing with their own form of running. Patina, it's all about the feeling that you have to run your whole family. Mm -hmm. Because all the girls I grew up with, they weren't allowed to be young. Right. Boys could be boys forever. Right. Girls and still were, can, maybe. And still can, <laughs> unfortunately. And unfortunately, still can. The girls in my neighborhood were expected to, um, to uphold certain levels of responsibilities 
that's what it was. And so in Patina's story, you're getting a young lady who feels like she has to carry the weight of the world on her shoulder mm -hmm. um, and has been raised that way. And because of that, has become blind to the fact that she does have support systems. Right. She's just not used to having support systems. So you're gonna go through each one, each one of the kids as from the that season squad. progresses, mm -hmm. and the season is sort of the macro level is the season is progressing. Right. You know, then you get like Sunny. Sunny is Sunny comes from money. Sunny doesn't go to school. He's homeschooled, mm -hmm. and Sunny doesn't want to be a runner. Right. And then Lou, uh, Lou's story would be about um, basically this concept that track isn't about running against other people. You're trying to beat your time. You're only running for yourself, right? right. And and Lou is sort of getting at at that and figuring out self-awareness and self-acceptance being an albino, uh, an albino kid. Well, that sounds like enough in and of itself. Mm. But you also have two other books coming out this year. You yes. have the Miles Morales book, Woo! which is Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, which is pretty epic, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I remember when the comic book came out and it was Miles Morales and it was like, wait, wait, there's e. a, there's a brown <laughs> Spider-Man, e. yeah. but now there's actually like a book. There's a, a, there's a novel. Shout out to Disney and shout out to Marvel because they gave me free reign. And so uh, Miles is very brown culturally. Mm -hmm. And before that, they sort of were able to sort of, oh, we're gonna paint his face, but we're not gonna give him too much texture. Mm -hmm. And I, that ain't really my thing, right. right? So for me, it was like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna really layer on the texture. Right. And we're gonna, his mom, who is, who is, who is Puerto Rican, we're gonna, there's gonna be, I mean, the first, the first page, I think he's, they're eating like, Pasteles and right. chicharron and like Perfect. you know like his father is black and and is very black and they're dealing with and he's he's black dad right like I mean he's really black dad and um, his neighbor he's in Bed Stuy right? right Peter Parker was in Queens right right Miles is in Bed Stuy he's in Brooklyn <laughs> and it's very Brooklyn there's barbershop scenes there's and there's questions right the questions of how can I be a superhero without the privilege right if I were to tell my mother that I had to save the world mm -hmm. my mother would say how are you going to save the world before you save this family, before you save this block, the community, the city? Like, how are you going to save the world? Right, it's a privilege to right. be able to, like, focus on the whole world. That's where Miles is coming from. Mm -hmm. um, and he's dealing with inferiority complex. He's dealing with, like, am I allowed to be Spider-Man? Because nobody said, you're, obviously, you're Spider-Man. Exactly. Maybe you're a secret superhero. And, and then the bigger picture on top of all of those things, which is the thing that I'm most excited about, but also the thing that's going to get me in a little bit, of, is that I'm also telling the school to prison pipeline story. Mm -hmm. Using Spider-Man, yeah, and good trouble though, like it's John Lewis trouble. says, good yeah, trouble. It's good trouble. I mean, it's something that I'm. Look, you you get your opportunity, you shoot your shot, and we don't. We've yet to figure out how to truly talk about it. Yeah. So I'm like, well, we'll have we'll have Spider-Man talk about yeah. it. Yeah. And were you a comic reader, growing up? I wasn't. Not, I was a cartoon kid. So Do I you watched read them now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm all like, oh my god. And Marvel's doing the crazy stuff. I mean, look, shout out to the Black Panther. It's unbelievable. Roxanne Gay, Roxanne writing Gay. Worlds of Wakanda. Like, imagine what it would have been like if James Baldwin was still around and he was like, yo, I'm getting ready to write the new version of Superman. <laughs> it's unreal. Like, like really. When like, I think <laughs> about what I had access to, when I, I mean, because I was doing an article for New York Magazine and they were asking me, like, what were the measures of being cool when you were a kid? And mm. I was like, man, they were all things that weren't like me. Mm. You know, the best thing I had was, like, Cherry from um, Punky Brewster. Yeah. I cannot imagine what it would have been like for both of us to grow up with all of the stuff that we have now because it is changing. It's changing. There is access actually. And mm -hmm. I think that we have to figure out how to get the work to people. Yeah. But it's starting to shift. It and is. you've done a lot of that work. I'm super You're grateful. Doing it. I'm super grateful. So I tell this story all the time now, but when I first met you, we were in a bookstore. Yeah. And you were at the beginning of your career really. I was. You had just published um, when, when I was, I was the greatest, greatest yeah. you were telling me about all these big dreams you had. You were like, yeah. I'm going to do this. And they weren't even dreams. You were just your plans. This is what I'm going to do. You know, you said, I'm going to publish all these books, and yeah. this is who I'm writing for, and this is what I want to say. Yeah. Now, you've accomplished those 
goals. Uh, what next? I don't know. I, you know, first, I don't know if I ever feel like I've done the thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I feel like I've accomplished what I've set out to accomplish. And every day is a day that I have to fight back the idea that I'm not good enough and mm -hmm. that these books aren't good enough. I, it's hard for me. I mean, I just, I got my stuff. Yeah. I got it's my easy stuff. for me on this side to be like, right. that's dumb. But also, I think that it's crazy not to feel that, right? Like yeah, when it's like, so visible and you know that there's thousands and tens of thousands or hundreds it's, it's of thousands really of children that are actually reading the work that you're writing and that are being defined by it. I mean, can you imagine being Judy Bloom? I couldn't imagine. But it's that sort of constant, like, am I, am I me? Like, is this happening, right? Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I am, like, I, I still have... I mean, I've got eight open contracts. Yep, that's great. That's I've, really wonderful. You know, and I want to write adult novels. I want to write picture books. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll write some kind of movie thing. I don't know yet. But I'm, I just want to tell stories. I don't care about the medium. I prefer books. That's my sort of, I love books. Um, even like Long Way Down, it's a novel in verse. Right? Right. How, can, how can I fool them with format? How can I, how can I really play around with, with language? Because I also think sometimes you forget that writing is a creative art. You know, I think you should play. And yeah. I think that you get to not be perfect all the time exactly. as well. And I think that it's important to remember that like, you don't have to win 100% of the time, although you seem to. Um, <laughs> and so maybe this is not applicable. No, it is. Um, <laughs> but you know, the other thing that, and I get this a lot, like I really care about what I do. But you have a similar um, type of enthusiasm. Has it waned at all, or is it no. bigger than it was? Oh, Just it's, for it's writing. Crazy. It's massive. And the truth is, is the electricity that I feel right. when I hear a story, mm -hmm. there's nothing on earth more intoxicating for me than that other than young people. I, it's hard for me to even understand how people don't like them. Where does that come from? I don't know. I think that when you spend enough time with them, I think what becomes really clear mm -hmm. is that you get to see what you used to be. Mm -hmm. And all you really want for them is, is for them to hold on. Mm -hmm. I met a fifth grader one time and I said, how would you describe your grandma? Mm -hmm. right? And she said, oh, my grandma, I, it's hard for me to describe her face, but I can tell you what her hair looked like. Her hair looked like cotton candy. Oh. And I would have never come up with that kind of description. Yeah, yeah they're, limber. They're, they're limber. Their minds that, are limber in a way that you lose. It's insane. It is the most incredible experience. And being around them, they are as much a part of my process as anything else. I, they are always on my mind. They are always in my heart. I feel like when you when you say, okay, I know this writer, and then it's like an adult writer. And then you say, oh, this person is a, a YA writer or a yeah. middle grade writer. Do you think that there's the same value? Do you think that there's a, there's as much prestige in writing for children? No. Why do you think that is? Because I think it's crazy. Oh, it's it's crazy. The impact you have. I mean, it's, it's like crazy. again, Judy Bloom. Well, first let me just say that I think there's a prestige. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the same kind of prestige, mm -hmm. right? But like. I can walk in any library in America. I can walk in any bookstore, any children's section, any school mm -hmm. in this country and feel loved. But I don't think when it comes to the world of, of, of scholarship that we are, that we're, I think we're seen as less than. I think we're seen as less than simply based on category. There's just this idea that like what we're writing is like bubblegum or it's not as sophisticated. And I'm like, you clearly haven't read any of it. Right. Right? And, and I think it's that, it's that idea that, uh, that if you're writing for adults, you're writing sophisticated work, and if you're writing for kids, you're not. The other thing I always tell my adult writing buddies, whom I love very dearly, even though we sometimes like, like to, well, because I have a chip on my shoulder, there's that, and I get into these little, you know, but I, and I always tell them, I say, you know, I am so proud and grateful for the work that you do, mm -hmm. but the reason that you have an audience mm -hmm. is because we created one for yeah. you. Absolutely. And we don't want to discuss it that way, but it's the truth. And, and, I, and I think 
we have to start figuring out how to talk about it as, as, as inclusively. It's like, look, we're all in this thing together. Yeah. We're all we're all telling stories. That, that's what we all love to do. I mean, to me, it feels like, right, they are connected markets. And to look at that time between age 12 and age 18 and to see such a significant drop, it means that maybe we're not holding hands tight enough. And, um, and maybe if we did, right, if we thought about what that transition could look like, how we might move a reader from that sort of 12-year-old, sort of really optimistic, really open-hearted, open spirit through the rocky teens, yeah. you know, where we hit puberty and we do all these things. Maybe if we think together about how to carry a young reader through those times, maybe the adult market looks different on the other side. That's interesting. I would even like to do, I mean, all these conferences and festivals, and very few of them have... Have, have panels that are, you know, multi-category, yep. right? Like, why can't I sit on a panel, why can't I sit on a panel with Mitchell Jackson right. or Chimamanda and, and really have like a discussion? Well, I'm gonna uh, do that. You should do that, you should <laughs> do that. I'm gonna literally I, do that, that is a great idea. So great, well thank you so oh, much. Thank you for your work, Lisa. Thank you for yours. Oh. It's great chatting. Thanks. This is Maddie Orton again. Thanks for listening. That was Lisa Lucas, Executive Director of the National Book Foundation, interviewing author Jason Reynolds. Next time on Author Imprint, the podcast. I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that I wanted to tell the kind of story that I wanted to read and that no one was writing anymore. International best-selling author Catherine Neville, writer of The Eight and The Fire. Let us know which authors you'd like to hear from and what you're reading. Follow me on Twitter at Maddie Orton. That's at M-A-D-D-I-E-O-R-T-O-N for the latest. And join the conversation by using hashtag author imprint. Thanks for listening. Thank you.